Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Overall, David was a great king. His greatness is especially seen in connection with the lineage of the Messiah, obviously. One of the great titles of Jesus, you see it through the New Testament, Son of David. Son of David. Solomon took over, and life continues on for the next generation. The only constant is God. No matter what you do to keep healthy, no matter how many times a week you work out or watch what you eat, you are going to die. That's the way it's been since the fall of man, and it won't change until the end of time. The one thing that won't ever change is God. He was around before the world began and will be after it has been destroyed. Pastor Mark will be teaching about David's significance to Israel and how, though a flawed man, he exemplified many of the qualities you would want to display in your life. He often sought and received God's forgiveness, which is a good trait to cultivate. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 12 as he continues through his series called The Life of David. I don't like heights. Even though I don't mind flying at 40,000 feet. That's strange, isn't it? That's because there's something around me. I'm okay. But if I go to a really tall building, my wife always makes fun of me. She'll be over here and say, come take a look. I just, just tell them what it looks like. I don't care to take a look. I, even when I watch some TV programs, my knees get a little shaken. Anybody like that out there? Come on, be honest. Yes, look at fearful people. What's wrong with you? Just like me. But see, if I'm going to focus on that which brings fear, I can't move forward. I can't move forward. And so he says to Solomon... Now, Solomon, don't, don't, don't wake, lay awake at night and go like, okay, I'm going to build the first temple for God, and Dad is near? How is this going to work? No, no, no. God will do it. He'll see to it. He's going to provide everything you need. You know this statement. You don't need to write it, but I want us to say it together. Let's say it together. Where God guides, God provides. Now, that was for some of you here, because you're facing an area that you don't believe financially, physically, spiritually, you don't believe you can do it. And God's saying to you, look, if I ask you to do it, if I've guided you to it, if you don't have a job, I'm going to give you a job. You believe it. Where I guide you, I'll provide for you. That's a word for some of you. You take it, you write it down, put the date, and you watch what God does. God wants to provide for us. Hello. 
And here you've been in the last few days, fearful. So that's a word for you. Your God will provide for you. Now, First Chronicles 29, verse 1. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. How's that for an introduction? He's going to be king, but he's basically wet behind the ears and doesn't know what he's doing. So have a nice time, nation. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. It's like he's talking out the other side of his mouth. Remember, he just said, be, be strong. Not a problem, Solomon. It's going to be fine. But this man, this palatial structure is not for man. With I'd be depressed, to be honest. But he's just trying to speak what's in his mind. Notice how he's going to talk himself out of what he just said. Look at verse 2. With all my resources I provided for the temple of God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, wood for the wood, as well as the onyx and the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Beside in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures. So the first treasures he's talking about is all the things that the nation has. Then look what he does. Beside in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything else, I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? So notice what David does. I think this is a good challenge. By the way, we're not going to take an offering tonight at the end of this, so just relax, okay? David says to the people, because they're probably saying, well, what's the plans look like? How are we going to do this? He said, you know, God's blessed us as a nation. I've got all this stuff. But then David as a leader, notice what he says. He sets a good example of what? Generosity himself. He says, I'm going to give generously to the building of the temple from my own private resources. That's a good thing. Because what David understands is this principle. And of course, that's from you as a parent. Leaders are to set the example even in giving. Now, where did I and where did my wife, Linda, learn to tithe? We learned to tithe from our parents. And here's how we learned it. My dad said, You must give 10% to God on a regular basis. I know you won't want to do it. I really don't want to do it either. But I'm the pastor and I've got to do it. So just shut your mouth and give your 10% to God. And I said, praise the Lord. This is going to be fantastic. You see, Pastor Mark, that's ridiculous. But see, if you're not careful, that's what you're going to say to your kids, even though you would never say that to your kids. Because giving in serving, all those areas are to be done from the heart with generosity. I get to give. It's a privilege. And you'll see why. And that's why I said to you, we're not taking an offering so you can relax. Then notice the next thing he does after he says, I set the stage. He challenges the people to do what? The very same thing. 
He says, you go after the example I just set for you as a nation. Verse 6. Then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribe of Israel, the commanders of the thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials who were in charge of God's work gave, circle in your Bible, willingly. They didn't give because they had to. They gave willingly. Verse 9. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And the David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. See, this transfers over immediately to the New Testament. You remember the verse, Second Corinthians, I have it for you here, chapter 9, verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the next thing David does after he sees the response, he does something very beautiful. He offers a magnificent prayer and prays to God. And there's some really good stuff in here. Look at verse 10. And David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. So notice... He just begins to say, wealth comes from Holmes Hospital, from McDonnell Douglas. No, wealth comes from who? From God. In the old days when I was getting started, I thought wealth came from Ustoff Hospital. No, it didn't come from there. By the way, wherever you work for, that's where God deposits your money. Because you're working hard. See, all wealth comes from God. Now, David's also saying here, you know, we've heard this one, you're in good hands with Allstate. Well, not really. We're in good hands with who? God. Nothing wrong with Allstate if you happen to have that. I'm not promoting that. Lord help us. But we're in good hands with God. By the way, if, if you think we're in good hands because we're in the United States, not a chance. Not a chance. So this, the reminder that David's giving us, what is he talking about? The sovereignty of God. God controls everything. Now, he also says in there, God owns everything. And I want you to write this down because I put a little emphasis with it. God owns everything. And by the way, everything means everything. Once you get that, giving is never a problem with any of us for anything. Serving is never a problem. Because once we turn our lives over to God, we're God's. Psalms 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So right from the beginning in Genesis creation, it's clear that God is the creator who owns everything in the earth. And it's also clear, he said to to man, manage it. I'm going to give you everything you do to manage the earth. Everything, your time, your breath, your resources, your gifts, your money, everything comes from me. Manage my kingdom. And that's really what you and I are doing tonight. 
in your life, in your home, you're not re- if you're a Christian, you're not really managing. You're not really managing your home. You're managing God's home because he owns everything. And so once we get that, giving, should I give 10% or 9.5%? Should I give pre-tax? That, that all goes out the window. I mean, God just loves us to give, and what we give back to him is his already. We just love to do it. Now, so I want you to, sometimes we need this word in church. The next word is relax. Just say it with me. Relax. Now, why can I relax? Well, because God's in full control. Who, what, where, when, they're all set up by God. We won't take a long time, but in this chapter, all the plans come for the building to Solomon. God gives them all, just as he did the tabernacle. He gives all the plans. And then who gave all this money? Where did they get all this stuff? That all came from God. So anything you have, who, what, where, when, they're all set up by God. That's why we can relax. Now look at verse 13. David continues. Now our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. And then it hits him at the end of his life. David says, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. That is the principle I'm trying to tell you. If you'll get that, you will always be generous with God, with your time, with your talents, with your abilities. You will never be stingy when you see everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. That changes our perspective. Remember John 15, without him, nothing. With him, Philippians 4, we can accomplish everything. So that's that attitude of gratitude. So David basically looks around and goes, man, I'm humbled. <laughs> God, who in the world am I? I'm, I'm just this servant guy. And you've been so generous to me. So I told you to relax. The second thing I want to tell you tonight is enjoy. Pastor Mark, how can I enjoy when I just gave? You missed it. You ought to be able to enjoy because you were able to give abundantly. God's generous. Then David says this. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God. As for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. Here's a great passage about generosity. So understand why we're here. Everything that we do in our life with our time, our talent, and our abilities to work with God and with people, it goes back to our treasure. In Matthew 6.20, remember Jesus said it like this, Store your treasure in heaven. Where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. So we're both servants and we're investors of all that God's given us. Everything you and I have comes from God. So that's why David goes, God, I'm humbled. You and I should be humbled. Verse 17. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. 
all these things I have given willingly with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willing your people are who are here have given to you. Now, verse 17, notice it says, you test the heart. I wish I could say that was true as you watch Christian TV. There's so many people that want to manipulate you for your money. It's never right. It's never right. It's got to be from the heart. Verse 18. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees to do everything to build the palatial structure for you which I have provided. Notice, over and over again, what do we see? Heart, 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 heart. What's it all about? Solomon would write about it. Solomon writes in Proverbs 4, Above all else, guard your heart, because out of it comes the wellspring of life. So what is our heart? Let me just remind you of that quickly. Our heart is simply that center place in all of us where we make up our mind. It's our mind, our will, and emotions. Everything we make is in our heart, that control center. David says, God, watch Solomon's heart. Keep it. Keep it well. Guard it. Now look at verse 20. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down and fell prostrate before the Lord and the king. That must have been a beautiful picture. They're all bowing in humility to their God. Then they go on and they have a party. In verses 21, 22, all the way through 25, they begin to have a party. And look at 23. So Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king in the place of his father David. He prospered and all Israel obeyed him. Can you picture that? It must have been amazing for Solomon to sit on the throne. Now, go to verse 26. This is the end. Of King David's reign. Now, David, son of Jesse, was king over all Israel. He ruled over Israel 40 years, seven in Hebron, remember, before the nations came together, and 33 in Jerusalem. He died at a good old age. There you are, ladies. Anytime somebody asks you how old you are, just say, I'm a good old age. <laughs> that you can just keep that away from them. He died at a good old age. Having enjoyed long life, obviously for those times. By the way, David died at 70, which is amazing for those days. He died at a good old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor. His son Solomon succeeded him as king. Overall, David was a great king. His greatness is especially seen in connection with the lineage of the Messiah, obviously. One of the great titles of Jesus, you see it through the New Testament, son of David, son of David. Solomon took over, and life continues on for the next generation. The only constant is God. And you've heard me say this a lot. You need to remember it. When a man of God dies, nothing of God dies. The kingdom will go right on. 
When any man of God dies, when any area of you, when you die, the world just what? It goes right on. The only constant is our God. So that puts it in perspective for all of us. Now, I want you to turn to one more passage, and then we're through. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. This is a great reminder, and it's a time for us to just kind of reassess our own lives. Luke gives us a little summary, which I think is beautiful. Acts 13, verse 36. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. Now, remember, he wouldn't have understood all about heaven, but remember when that child died? He said, that child can't come back to me, but I'll see that child again in heaven. So we know where David went. His body went into the ground. In those days, of course, buried. Today, mostly, um, we just uh, just to take the bodies and quicken that up with cremation. Just speeds up the process. No problem. No difference. But I want to end that personally. Because this is going to happen to you and I. For when Mark had served God's purpose in his own generation, Mark fell asleep. Mark was buried with his fathers and his body decayed or, or uh, cremated, it should it be, to speed up the process. So let's look at that for a moment. When Mark had served God's purpose, put your name there. When Sally, when Jim had served God's purpose. Every single person born has a purpose. God uses everybody in his kingdom. There isn't anybody wasted. It didn't have anything about who was better than somebody else. Remember when we stand at the great white throne, we're not there going, I was better than, I was less than. No, no, there's no comparison. In fact, the Bible tells us, quit comparing yourself one to another. We're a body. We're all needed. So just put your name there. When Jim had served God's purpose in his own generation, Jim fell asleep. Jim died. And Jim was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. One day, that's going to be true, unless unless we go up by the rapture, it's going to be true of every single person in this room. What do I want to do? Fulfill God's purpose in my life. How do I do that? Christ be the center of my life. And as he's in the center of my life, I'm going to be generous with him, with my time, my talents, my abilities. Those of you that are parents, pass it on. Pass it on. Grandparents, keep praying. And God can raise up another generation that goes hard after God. This country, this world needs it. Amen. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the importance of legacy. David had what was for the most part a positive one. You learned about the importance of living a life of consistent obedience to God's calling on your life, serving God's purpose for your life in your generation. This, as you heard, will allow you to die knowing that you've done your part for God in this world. 
know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Well, this completes Pastor Mark's teaching on the life of David. We hope that this was an edifying and enlightening teaching series for you. As you call to remembrance David's human failings, you should also recall God's readiness to forgive David. All he had to do was ask. No matter your own situation, God is always waiting for you to turn back to him and rejoin his family. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving